As you turn in your Bibles with me today, uh, go with me to Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. I'm fixing to throw several scriptures at you. And last week we dealt with the understanding of fear, how, how fear is the first uh, weapon that the enemy uses to stop us, to, to destroy us, to, to hinder us. And so we talked about the three that we're going to talk about. First is fear. And then today we're going to talk about number two, which is doubt. Doubt is the second part of what the enemy uses to stop you from moving forward in your life. And, and, and I know if it's easier to say fear. I don't, I'm not scared of anything, Brother Lot. But we can always say, well, you know, I got my doubts. I've got my doubts. Well, I need you to understand how doubt works with fear and how those two run together. Those two are companions together to create the chaos or the doubt or the worry or the anxiety. And we said that many times we don't talk about it in the way of fear. I would look at you and I'd say, is there a dread that you have? Is there something you're dreading? Oh man, I'm dreading this test. I'm dreading this. Is there something that you would say I'm stressed out about? That's what you would, if you went to a doctor, they wouldn't say, are you, are you afraid? Are you, are you living in fear? No, no. Well, are you stressed out? Well, yeah, I guess I am stressed out about a few things. I guess I do have, uh, as we're going to learn today, doubt, which its term is anxiety. When you deal with, with doubt, you're dealing with anxiety. It's, it's the precursor to dread. It's the precursor to all that the enemy wants to bring. Well, let me just begin with Scripture, and we'll jump into this, and let me show you what I'm talking about. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, here's what it says. Be, what's the word? Anxious. This is the word that the Bible uses for doubt. When, when you want to learn the word doubt, it's anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Or don't be doubting. Don't be stressed out. Don't be worried about it. So it doesn't say don't be fearful. It says, don't be anxious. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Now we talked a little bit about the peace uh, Wednesday night, but understanding that when I do not let anxiety settle in my life, then what happens is it pushes back, it pushes back all the worry, it pushes back all the doubt, it pushes back all the things, and it creates space for God to put peace in my heart, it, it, which will surpass even the situation and the circumstance that I'm going through. Go with me to Matthew 6 and 25. Here's what it says. Therefore, I say unto you, do not worry or be anxious about your life. What you will eat and what you will drink about your body and what you will put on is not life more than food and body more than clothing. Now think about the two things we think about most in life. Think about the two things we stress out about most every day. What am I going to wear? People spend more time worried about what they're going to wear than they do in their prayer life. You'll spend 14, 20, 30 minutes standing in front of a closet. You'll spend three minutes running out the door. Lord, bless me today. Because you stress out more about clothing and where are we going to eat? What do y'all want to eat? Well, how about this? No, I don't like that. How about this? Well, I don't have to eat there before. I don't like 
Two things, he says, don't do this. Don't be anxious because God already knows what things, and your life is worth much more than what you're putting on, and life is worth much more than what you're going to eat. Go with me to verse 34 in Matthew. When he, when he gets through describing this, listen to what he says. Therefore, do not, what's the word? Do not worry. About what? Wow. Don't worry even about tomorrow. Not even what you're going to eat, not even what you're going to, but, well, you know, we got this coming up. I don't even want to think about it. Not stressing about it. Well, you know, we got, not stressing about it. The reason most of us live lives we're unhappy with is because we're already living behind three months of what we already got planned. And everything that we do, every moment of our life is something already pre-planned, something we're trying to keep up with, something we're trying to... And before long, instead of joy and peace, you have anxiety and worry. Now, I know there may not be anybody in here like this, but I'm just telling you this is what the Bible says. So when you're looking at your eight-year calendar... Just realize you're creating your own misery. Understand that. Because you can't enjoy just the moments. And that's our problem. Here's what Peter says, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Here's what he says. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you when... It's not for you to worry about. It's not for you to stress out about. It's not for you to, to, to take it. You are just to humble yourself, enjoy your life, live your life, do your best, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will exalt you. How do I know I'm doing this? Well, what's the next verse say? Casting all your... See, if, if I can't unload my worry and I can't unload my stress and I'm just going to carry it around. And I think they talked about that today when they were singing and, and some of that, when they were saying, look, if you're not going to unload that burden, if you're not going to bring it up here and you're just going to tote it around, then understand it's misery you're headed for. You're never going to organize your life or, or plan your life or get everything lined out where you're going to be happy. You're never going to be happy. Life is going to come with joy and peace when you learn to deal with what I have to deal with right now. I've, I've, I've dealt with what I have to deal with. I'm not worried about tomorrow. Now, does that mean I don't plan for things? I don't know. The Bible says that what we're to do is, is to look at everything in our future and say, if the Lord wills. So somebody said, hey, let's do this. Well, if the Lord wills, I'll see you next Monday. Why? Because I don't know if I'll be here next Monday. What are we going to do this summer? Well, if the Lord wills. But let's not get too excited about it. Let's not sink too much into it because I may not be here. And if you live that life, it would create for you so much more joy than what you experience on a normal basis. Okay. So I'm, I'm not getting a lot of amen, so I'm sure this is hitting home well. Go with me to Proverbs 12 and 25, my favorite book of the Bible. Here's what it says. Anxiety 
in the heart of a man causes the ultimate result of your anxiety is your depression. America is the most medicated country in the world. Anxiety, depression, can't sleep, insomnia. Why do you think that is? Look at the person beside you and say, because you plan too much. And you enjoy too little. You plan too much and you enjoy too little. You, you, you miss. Everything's a disaster. Everything that happens is life-changing. It's, it's life-altering. And yet it's not. We just feel like it is. So go with me to Isaiah 35 and 4. Say to those who are fearful of heart. So what are you supposed to tell someone that's struggling with this? Be strong and don't be afraid. If you bump into people like this, tell them, be strong. Don't be fearful. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and God's going to save you. God's going to take care of you. It, I, I don't even think about it much anymore. I've lived this for so long that it just becomes old hat. And I know that sounds strange, but I'll, I'll give you a scenario of, of, of yesterday or, or, or day before yesterday. We had to go... And, and with Caitlin and look at some places down on the coast, different things. And so getting ready for college, duh, you know, and all that stressful stuff. And we're dealing with all that. And so we're coming back. And as we're coming back, Elite, Caitlin is riding in the front seat with Elise. I'm tired. About done had all I could take. That's just, that's good. The Bible says Jesus got on the back end of the boat and went to sleep. Well, that's what I was. I was in the back seat and I was like, you know, oh, ye of little faith, why are you waking me up? So all of a sudden, we got a problem. One of the tires, the front tires, going down, and it's going down fast. And so we're trying to figure out where to go, or they're trying to figure out. And finally, it gets back to the back seat. Well, you need to, you need to figure this out. So I pull up. Says there's something behind us. We turn around, and as soon as we turn, right where we are now, we are in, on the interstate door in Loosedale. So we're we're like 30 miles or 40 miles from Mobile, and we're like 30 to 40 miles from from Hattiesburg. And there's nothing along this strip. Just quick stop, one and I'm, one quick stop. That's it. And we turn around right there, and as we're turning around and headed back toward what we think is the closest place, look up. And there is one of the places, of all the places I looked up on my phone, it was the only place that said it wasn't closed. And it's 7 o'clock at night. So we pull in with this BMW. As you know, they got plenty of them BMW tires. They, they just store them everywhere. And so we get out, and that's a whole other story. We get out, and it's like, I walk up to this guy who's working on the car. I said, hey, I need some help. 
He said, what you got? I said, I think I got a tire that is not functioning. I said, I got three that swole up and one went flat on me. He just laughed and we walked around the car and we looked at it. He said, yeah. And we felt of it and it had a knot. I mean, about this long and this wide and it was air coming out of us. Like, there ain't no fixing that one. It was bad. And so he, he said, man, let me see what I can do. So he heads off that away looking for a tire in the back of his shed. Because that's all this place is. It's just a metal shed to begin with. So he sneaks around the corner. I'm like, oh, Lord, you got to help, help me now. I go over and, and I look at Elise and, I, and, and, and it's like, hey, we need the key to unlock the tire. Because everyone knows tires have a key. She said, oh, the other day when we, when we did it, we couldn't find the key. Now, this, I don't make this stuff up. This is my life. This is my life. I'm like, really? I said, pop the trunk. I said, I'm going to look for it. Well, we looked for it. We didn't find it. I said, I didn't say y'all. I said, I'm going to look for it. We popped the trunk. I start digging. I, the cubby hole's going down, sticking my hand, and I find it. I'm like, thank you, Lord. First problem solved. We can at least take this tire off. Second problem, this guy comes rolling around the corner. He said, I got one tire, one used tire. It's a 35. Yours is a 40, so it's a little bit shorter, but it will work. I said, slap it on. Elise looks at me. She said, how much was it? I said, we're not asking that question. I said, that really has absolutely no bear. I don't care if he charged me $1,000 for that tire. It doesn't matter now. You, we in it now. It ain't no fixing it now. You asking the wrong questions, Lucille. I'm like, let's get back in the car. Ain't no, we ain't worried about how much now. He puts it on. We go in. Lease goes in. $45 for that tire. That used tire. And we get leasing them back to the women's conference, and they bail out, and I get in my truck, which has four good tires, and I head home. <laughs> why, why are you saying all that, brother? Like, do you know the odds of finding, having our flat a quarter mile from probably the only open, and the only reason they were open, they closed at five. They had five vehicles, a big bus and other things that pulled in with trouble. They had five vehicles that kept them open for an extra hour and a half. Do you know the odds of people looking for that lock and me just digging through the trunk and finding it? The only key that we're going to have to have to open, otherwise we cannot take the tire off. Do you know the odds of having all those tires that he has, used, old, whatever, and having one used tire that's good enough to put on Elise's BMW to get us back home? What are you saying, brother? Say to those who are fearful of heart, be strong, suck it up, and do not... Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Your God will show up and will show out at the right time. Your God is in, and he's done promised, I will take care. That's what Matthew says. If he feeds birds and he clothes flowers, don't you think he's going to take care of your tire problem? With the recompense of God, he will come and 
He'll come and save you. Look at the person beside you and say, if you let him, he'll save you. So, let me explain it this way. Doubt is the companion to fear. Well, what I'm sharing with you is the understanding that, that you're not to be anxious, you're not to be straight, you're not to be this way. Why? Because what you do is when you are uh, doubtful, when you are anxious, you're opening the door for fear. That's, that's what it happens. Fear doesn't just come. Let me see. Uh, if I was wanting you to watch a horror movie with me, we're going to watch The Blob or... or, or what are some old movie or some horror movie from the past? Some horror movie. All right, we're going we're gonna to watch it probably about 12 o'clock in the afternoon with all the lights on and two or three people coming through all the time and everything, and we'll, we'll keep our cell phones and everything. That's the way we need to watch this horror movie, right? Somebody's saying, yes, that's exactly how we need to watch this horror movie. Shelby Grace is like, yep, absolutely. We're going to watch it. We're going to have every light on and everything. We're going to watch it in the middle of the day. Why, why would she say that? Because she knows if I watch it at that time in those conditions, it will not have the effect on me that it's trying to have on me. In other words, it is the, it is the stage that I set that allows fear. But now if I'm sitting there with popcorn and I've got my drink and I've got, it's, it's 12 o'clock at night. Everybody's done left the house, but me, it's just me here by myself. And, 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 and it's a bad kind of windy night and it's kind of really nasty. And, 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 and all of a sudden I'm going to watch this movie now and I'm sitting there and there's I mean, just all the noises you hear, wind, limbs hitting the, hitting the house and, and I'm watching this movie and I'm like, what effect is it having? What it is, it's open the door for fear. Fear cannot just enter into your life. Fear cannot just enter into your life. Fear has to have a partner that brings him in. If you learn anything today, learn this. You don't just become fearful. You become anxious. You become doubtful. You become stressed out. You become all of those things. You become complaining. Your mouth starts killing you. From, uh, for the, from the mouth, all of a sudden, life and death is created. Now I'm sitting in a dark house watching a movie, and I'm like, Man, this thing is bad. This is scary. I'm talking to myself and I'm telling myself how crazy. It's crazy. I shouldn't be sitting here watching this thing by myself. I need to call somebody. I need and, and so all of this is taking place. Why? Because I've set the stage for fear to be able to walk in. So when I talked last week about fear, understand, even though fear is there, it has to have a forerunner. So number one, doubt or anxiety is always the forerunner to your fear. Go with me to Matthew 14, verses 25 through 31. I'll show it to you. Matthew 14, verses 25 through 31. Here's what it says. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. So now, what is the conditions? It's dark. It's, it's, it's bad. They've been fighting that thing all night. They, they, are, they are scared. Why? 
Because over the course of the t- night, doubt, when it first started raining, they're like, oh, we got to row to the other side. It's bad weather. But the more they rowed, the less they could get there. The more anxious they got, the more stressed out they got, the more worried they got. Everything kept going to where notice what happened. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. I mean, they didn't even, they didn't even say, hey, what are you? Who are, they didn't, no, they straight went to, that's a ghost, we're dead. We don't even know it, but we drowned last night and didn't even know it. That's what, that's what they thought in the sea, that you would die without even knowing you had died, and now you're walking with ghosts, and you don't even realize there's ghosts all around you. It is a ghost, and they cried out for, notice when they first got in the boat, were they afraid? When they first started rowing to the other side, were they afraid? When the storm first started, were they afraid? But by the fourth watch, and they're tired, and they'd have been thinking about it for a while, and the only thoughts coming through their mind now is we're going to die. Now they see ghosts. Now they're afraid. They're screaming out like little girls. This is what it says. But immediately Jesus spoke to the saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Now, did that work? No. How do you know? Because of the next thing. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, if it's really you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was, notice now, when he saw, he became, you got to get this in your mind because there's something that's causing your fear. There's always something creating your fear. You're not just, well, I'm just afraid of those things. No, you're not. There's a reason for it. And so Peter is is now walking on water. Everything is going good because Jesus said you could. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why were you afraid? Right? No. What does he tell him? Oh, ye of little faith, why did you? See, we want to get to Jesus when we're afraid. And when we're afraid, we think God loves the fact that, Lord, look how afraid I am and how scared I am. And and I'm crying out to you and and I'm, I'm crying, period. Can't you see how serious I am? And Jesus is always going to back you up. And he's going to take you back, not to where you're afraid, but he's going to take you back to why you started doubting. He's going to take you back. So when Peter steps out, all of a sudden we find out that Peter has faith. Peter is operating. But when he sees the winds and the waves and the sea, and he sees all of this taking place, all of a sudden his doubts start to cause him to sink, which causes him to be afraid, 
which causes him to cry out. Now, we always look at this as, boy, Peter stepping out of the boat and Peter sinking. Let me explain this to you. The whole story is about them doubting his word. Jesus told Peter, come, come on. Did Jesus' word ever lose its power? What canceled it out? Doubt and fear. And fear could not grip him until doubt had run its course. Doubt puts his arm around and says, Ooh, man, you see all these waves? Now, I know you can swim a little bit, Peter, but you can't swim out of this. You, just imagine, Peter, if you started sinking. I am sinking. Yeah, just imagine, Peter, what would happen. And eventually the doubt becomes fear. Last week when we talked about fear, that's, that's, we can understand that. But what we don't get many times is the step before it that's creating all of this, which is the doubt or the anxiety. Uh, let me show it to you again. Go to me to Genesis 1 or Genesis 3 verse 1. The very first time Satan ever uses this, it's still the same process. Satan understands he cannot get you to fear. He can only get you to doubt. You have the power then of choice of whether you choose to progress in it and take it all the way out to fear. Here's what it says. Now the serpent, meaning Satan, was more cunning than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, so he's there in the field, he's there by the tree, and he says to Eve, this is Adam and Eve sitting out there near this tree. They're not supposed to be hanging out around. And he says to them, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? What's the first step that he wants to do? Make her doubt. Are you sure that God said you can't do that? Are you sure the Bible says that? Or, or are you sure the Bible's even accurate? I mean, it was written by people years and years ago. Are you sure that, that God meant that for you? He may not have meant that for you. He may have meant that for some. All the enemy needs in your life is doubt. That's all he needs. That is the precursor. That is the forerunner for fear. And so when he gives all of this, he does all of this, and we know the story that Eve says, well, he didn't quite say that, but he said, I'm not supposed to do that. Oh, he's lying to you. And all of a sudden, they get the more doubt going until finally they step over and they do what they're not supposed to do. But let me show you the result of, of doubt and when it's fully grown and when it fully runs. Go with me to Genesis uh, 3, verse 9. A few verses later, then the Lord God, this is after they've eaten the fruit and shouldn't have done it, here's what happens. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was It starts with a question of doubt and then the end result is you are afraid. Afraid of whatever it is that your doubt fueled and created now distrust Worry, anxiety, and when it's full grown, it will look like fear. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That's the way it works. Number one, he is always the forerunner of the fear that's in your life. If you don't conquer doubt, 
then you're going to lose the battle with fear. Number two, then if we understand this, then doubt must be resisted. Doubt must be resisted. I don't resist fear, but I resist doubt. Are you sure we're going to make it? We're going to make it. I, somebody, I thought about the shirt we'd wear when we do the race before long, and 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 all the only thing I could come up with, I'm going to die trying. In other words, doubt is not the... It's never an option. Quitting's not an option. I, I can die. But, but I'm not, I'm not, and there's no fear that's going to cause me not to do what I want to do. So let me show it to you this way. Doubt must be resisted. Go with me to Philippians 4 and 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by is anybody in here doubt, you kind of getting, getting worried that God's not going to meet your needs? Is there something you're struggling with? Is there something that, that financially or something uh, emotionally, something that you're dealing with that you feel like, I'm just not sure. Man, I'll tell you, brother, I'm, I want to believe this and I want to I hold this, but I'm struggling. And my God might supply all your needs. What's the word? Shall. So you have a choice. You can either doubt or resist it. Go me to Philippians 4 and 13. I can do through Christ who strengthens me. So is there anything you're worried about you can't do? You know, brother, Lord, I just, I'm just telling you, I'm just not sure I can deal with this. I'm just not sure I can handle this. I'm not sure I can go through this. I'm not sure I'll make it. I'm not sure. Well, you've got a choice. Either you're going to doubt or you're going to believe. Brother, Lord, you make it so simple when it's, it is, it's that simple. You have to decide, you have to resist and decide that I'm going to believe one thing or the other. That's, that's where doubt begins. You can't wait till it becomes fear because when it's fear, it's really hard to uproot, right? Because now every time you think you're going to do something, that thought comes back or that feeling comes back or that dread comes back or that, because you done built this whole room of doubt. But when it's doubt, that's why Paul said to take every thought captive and to bring it under the subjection of whether it aligns with God's Word. When you do that, you replace doubt with faith. Go with me to Hebrews 13 and 6. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not. When's the last time you said that out loud? When something come against you, you just screamed, let me tell you something. The Lord is my helper. And I don't care what comes against me. I will not fear. What in the world can man or this world or anything do to me? Now, you can either choose that or you can doubt. Doubt. 
Doubt must be resisted. Number three. Well, let me show it to you one more time. Go with me to Joshua 1 and 9. We studied this last week. But listen to how God tells Joshua the same thing. I told you he was told not to fear, but listen to what it says. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not, Joshua, be... But here's the other catch. Or be... Dismayed. In other words, don't replace what I'm telling you with something else. Don't replace. That's why he tells him, but meditate on my word day and night. Do not turn to the left nor the right. And you will make your own way prosperous. See, we keep wanting God to give us a word. Can I tell you something? God's already given you a word over every problem you're facing. The problem is you don't believe it. And since you don't believe it, doubt keeps growing and eventually it becomes fear. And he tells Joshua, Joshua, don't let this happen. For the Lord your God is with you everywhere you... If you're a child of God in this place today, let me tell you something. He's with you. He's standing here with you right now. He's right here with you right now. Well, it don't seem like he's helping. It's because you're operating in fear and not faith. You keep talking about what ain't right. You keep talking about what ain't work right. You keep talking about all your problems. You keep talking about you ain't met the right person. You keep talking about all the bad stuff and all the negative stuff. And then you wonder why stuff don't turn out good. It's because your doubt keeps creating a larger door for fear. So number three, you must, you must then make a decision. Sooner or later, you've got to make a decision about your life. Go with me to 1 Samuel 17 and 26. I just want to read this one scripture. I love this one scripture. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him. Now, this is after they they had said, you know, hey, there's this giant, Goliath, that's out there, and and he comes out every afternoon, and and we we go hide every time he comes out. and, And David just looks and he says, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes the reproach from Israel? Now, now first he wants to know, what what can I get for this? What's my reward if if I go out there and kill that rascal? What is my reward? If I do operate in faith, then what am I going to get? Well, all things work to good to those who love the Lord and call according to His purpose. That's why I said earlier when I was telling you all the story about the tire. Do you understand? It just becomes normal. It becomes normal. That's what David's saying. David's saying, it's normal for me. How do you know? Because later he's going to look at Saul and he's going to say, let me tell you, Saul, this is normal life for me. Whooping things, other things that ain't supposed to be whooped, that's just my job. There's a lion. I ain't supposed to be whipping lions, but you know what? A lion came out and grabbed one of my sheep. I grabbed that rascal and tore him in half. Well, that's pretty good, son. Oh, that ain't all. The bear, big old bear came out, grabbed one of mine. You know what I did? Grabbed him by his beard, looked him eye to eye and said, oh, you made a big mistake. So, so don't worry about this, this, this Philistine. I'll do whatever I got to do. I'll beat him barehanded. I'll beat him however he wants to fight. It ain't going to matter. I'm just letting you know it's going to happen. How do you you know that? 
Notice what David does. First, he asks, what am I going to get? But here's the thing. How do I make, Brother Lot, that kind of decision? Well, here's the the thing. For who is this, say it out loud, uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living? See, what David had that you need is he believed in the Word of God. He believed the covenant that he had. See, that, that book that he carried around or those scrolls that were read to him and different things, he actually believed them. And when they said, no weapon formed against you, David, will ever, I believe that. That God fights for his people. God goes ahead of his people and fights. I believe that. So David's like, this ain't going to be no problem. Why? Because he's not fighting me. He's an uncertain, which means he has no covenant. The circumcision means I'm in covenant with God. Me and God got a, and if every one of you in this room is saved, you understand all them scriptures I've been reading to you about being healed and those scriptures about uh, being okay and God coming through and fighting. Do you understand that's part of your covenant? That's the covenant that you have with the Lord that God said, I have promised you I will fight for you. I've promised you no weapon formed against you will prosper. I promise you if if an enemy comes against you one way, he'll flee seven ways. I've promised you that you don't have to worry about what's coming against you, Tim. I've promised you everything you put your hands to will prosper. I've promised you that no weapon ever formed against you will ever overcome you. I've promised you, Tim, that if an enemy comes one way, he'll flee seven ways. I've promised you so I say, who dare be against me? If God be for me, who dare decide they're going to be against me? How dare a flat tire say, I'm going to ruin your life? You think you're that strong flat tire? You messed up. You don't realize I got a God who knows where the next tire is. I got a God who's been keeping a business open for two extra hours because he knew his kid was going to be coming by and was going to need a tire. Do you not know who you're messing with? Do you not understand an uncircumcised something of this world has no power? It's just meat for me to eat on. You're either going to live in doubt or faith. It's one or the other. And your life will be the result of what it is. David looks at him and says, listen, I got a covenant. God's, God's, and, and if David had a covenant, he had no grace. There was no salvation. There was no any. Think about the covenant you have. Jesus died for you to be in a covenant. David had been killing lambs once a year to keep his covenant. And you have Jesus Christ's blood over your life. Which one do you think is a stronger covenant? Then you have a choice. Stay sick, get well. It ain't that easy. Sure it is. I'm in covenant with one or the other. Number four. We wrap her up. Then let's sum it up this way. Doubt creates fear. Doubt creates fear. But fear, fear in itself is not your problem. Listen to me very carefully. Fear in itself is not your problem. Fear is simply the magnet 
for what you dread the most. When Jesus put those disciples on that boat, why did he, why did he put them on a boat sailing across in the middle of the night? Because in their culture, what do you think the worst death there could be? To get caught out on that water at night, no lights, no way out, the boat capsizes, and you swim as long as you can, but when you can't swim no more, you drown. In their culture, to be a fisherman, to be... When I go out on fishing and doing things, my greatest fear is not catching a big fish. When I'm out on boats, the only fear I have is, man, I hope this thing, I hope we don't run into a storm. I hope it doesn't capsize. I hope... Why? Because that's, that's, that is in that position, that is your greatest. So God always looks at you and says, okay, whatever it is you dread the most is what's going to happen to you. If you doubt and you don't kill it, then it will create fear. And fear will always be the magnet for whatever. If you always say, oh, you know, my aunt died of that and my cousins had diabetes and, and all this. And, and then finally the doctor says, it looks like you're getting diabetes. Oh, I expected that, doc. You know, it's just been, it's been kind of running in my family for years. Do you understand you're bringing that on your life? You're bringing that into your life. Go with me to Job 3 and 25. I'll show it to you from this story. Job says this, For the thing I greatly feared has... Now that doesn't sound right because Job is this guy that has no sin problem, has no issues, has no... He has a hedge around him that can't nobody bother him. And yet all of a sudden, the thing that changes Job's life is this one sentence. See, Satan couldn't see it. The world couldn't see it. But God saw it. And God said, ah, this is the thing that you're scared of the most. The thing you worry about. The thing that I've dreaded the most has happened to me. Well, what, what was it? Well, go back to chapter 1. Go back to Job 1 and verse 5, and I'll show you. Here, here's what would happen. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. This is his family. For Job had said within himself, it might be. It, it didn't happen. He said it might happen. It might be that one of my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did. The thing that Job kept worrying about and doubting and stressing eventually became the thing that was the opening for Satan to be able to come in. See, God can't go against His Word. And, and when Job was living and doing everything he was supposed to do, the enemy could not touch him. He couldn't touch him. 
So when Satan came before God and said, well, I've checked Job out, you know, but, but he's got a hedge around him. And, and, and God says, have you looked closely? I'm going I'm to give you your opening. Not because I created it, but because Job created it. Don't say when anything bad happens to you that God... No, no, no. The only way it can enter into your life is if you have already created the open door by your doubt and your fear. And it becomes a magnet then if you're sitting there worried about your kids and, and, and you're just like, oh Lord, I hope my kids... Let me tell you something. Don't be surprised when the enemy comes against your kids with everything he's got. Because the thing that you fear the most... And the thing you try to take out of God's hands and protect it yourself will be the very thing that God says, I can't help you there. So Job's whole battle, and what did Satan do? He said, let me touch him. Let me, and, and God says, do it. Just don't kill him. And guess what? First thing, house fell in on his kids and everything. His crops were gone. His, his, all his stuff was gone. The, and Job says, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. Or in our vernacular, you'd say, well, I expected that to happen. Just like that to happen to me. Be careful because your doubt of what's coming out of your mouth and the doubt that you're building in your heart and the doubt that you live out in your life is what's creating your circumstances. If you trust God, trust Him. If you trust God, trust Him. Because let me explain it this way. Faith equals the law of life. That's what we call it in the New Testament, the law of life. You have a new life. Faith equals the law of life, which equals all things working to good. I don't have to worry about it. Everything's working to my good. But like right now, everything, yes, even the stuff I don't understand, the bad stuff that seems like, it's all working for my good. I, I believe that with all my heart. And what does that do? That causes me to live every day of my life with peace and joy. With peace and joy. Somebody will say, well, brother, I know, you, get, you get tired, you get stressed out. What do, let me go ahead and explain it to you. Other people is what wears me out. Let me just be very clear with what makes me tired. I do not get tired of my own life. I like my life. But other people, they will suck the life out of it. Because what? They live in their fear and their doubt and their anxiety and they want to rub it off on you. Anybody got folks like that in your life? Like you're doing just fine until they call and it's like, oh Lord, what do you need? What's, what's going on with you? Oh my God, this is going on, this is going on. I'm like, okay, let's pray. You believe God can handle this? Yes, let's give it to Him. What are we going to do? I thought we just did it. Fear equals the law of sin and death. When you live your life in fear, do not be surprised that sin and death are constantly coming around you. 
When you live your life in fear, sin and death will constantly come around, which we see it this way. It equals stress, dread, anxiety, bondage. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I'm just telling you how you got there. You may leave this room all stressed out. You may leave this room in bondage. And, oh, I, got, I, I still struggle with cigarettes. I still struggle with this. I still struggle with, with, with my life. I still struggle with whatever bondage, whatever anxiety, whatever stress, whatever dread. Oh, Monday's coming. Oh, I hate Mondays. The only thing I hate more than Mondays is Tuesday. You live your life in dread, dreading to have to go deal with the next thing, dreading to have to walk in the room with the next person, dreading to... Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I didn't come by to, to read your mail or to walk down the aisles and grab you by the hand and say, that's you. But everyone in this room knows it, if it is you or not. There are two options. God says, I feed the birds, I clothe the flowers, I take care of what's mine. And if I do that, don't you think I'm going to take care of you? So speak my word over every issue that tries to come in. Every time doubt enters, speak your word over it. Or you're going to live in this life with this stress and this dread and this anxiety and this worry, and you're going to think, well, I just, I just need to do better. I just need to work harder. I just need... And let me explain something to you. You can't do enough to outrun the enemy's hand at trying to drag you down. He works 24-7 trying to put you in a position like Job or trying to put you in a position like Peter or trying to put you in... He just needs to know that when he gets you there... Doubt. Why did you doubt? Because doubt opens your door for all the fear. So if I was fixing to go out of this room today and deal with a scary movie, I'd make sure all the lights are on. I'd make sure that, that, that I got my phone. I'd make sure every, any, anything I can do to make sure that as I'm going through this, I am not creating any places for doubt in my mind. All I'm going to do is create a space for faith. Will you stand? So I'm halfway through my sermon. We got the second point in. Next week we will do a loss which is the hardest. You say, well, a lot of fear and doubt is pretty good. It is. But loss is even harder. But if you're in this room today, and maybe you're already gripped by fear like we talked about last week, but there's a reason for that fear. There's a doubt that's entered into your life. The reason you feared and started dating somebody you shouldn't date or you feared and you, and, and you, and you started hanging with people you shouldn't hang because you didn't want to be alone. You feared something. 
it begins with doubt. And if you're in this room today and there's things that you're doubting, the enemy is stirring and he comes to you. Is you are you sure that's what God said? Are you sure God's with you every day? Are you sure? Are you sure you're not all alone and you're just by yourself? Are, are you sure that God's going to get you through this? Are you sure that God's got the right mate for you? Are you sure God's got the right job for you? Are you sure God's got that? Are you sure God knows where the tire is that you need in the next 10 minutes? Are you sure? The only person that can answer that question in this room is you. All I can do is share all my experiences, all my life's journey and tell you that he does. He knows where your next tire is. He knows where your next meal is. He knows where your best friend is. He knows where you're supposed to be. And he knows what doors to open. And he knows what doors to close. And you have to decide, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, just pray and say, God, I'm giving it to you. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will then come in. And I can't explain it. I can just tell you, it gives you something that all this world, it seems like, has no power. And you're able to go through what most people could not even imagine going through. And you do it not with just ease, you do it with peace and joy. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, doubt is eating me alive. Doubt is creating fear in my life. Doubt is just wearing me out. Then you have to decide today. Make a decision. Make a decision. Determine that your covenant with God is greater than anything that this world is throwing against you. And then resist it with His Word. Resist it with what you know. Resist it with what He says. And hold on to it and hold on to it until it becomes just pure truth in your life. I don't know that sounds like work. It is. It is work. That's why most people never get to it. So much easier to sit around and just wonder what God's going to do or what is going to happen, what might. He told Joshua, if you do what I'm telling you to do, Joshua, you make your own way prosperous. I'm not telling you God's going to take care of you. I'm telling you God's already took care of you. I've come by to tell you God's already done it. God's already given you his promises. God's already given you his spirit. He's already done this. Now you have to make your own way prosperous by what you're going to meditate on, think about, speak about, pray about, and what you're going to believe God for. That's the difference. If you're in this room today with every head bowed, Father, there's a person in this room today that needs to make a decision. So many things through their life has just pushed them around like the storms push them around like giants. They've survived it, but they didn't conquer it. And they kept wondering, why didn't I, why didn't I handle that better? 
God, will you reveal to them today? Will you show them today the weakness like Job of old? Will you show them the thing that they feared the most? Would you show them the thing that doubt has set up? Would you show them the thing the enemy keeps rushing in on them on? And it messes up their whole day. And it messes up their whole weekend. And even when they sit in church, that thought crosses and it's just like, uh, I don't even know why I'm here. God, will you just allow them right now to grab hold of it and put a scripture or find the scripture that says that ain't true. That's not what God said. And wrestle it out. And walk in peace and joy instead of fear and doubt. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Don't do your work.